For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome into the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, where you stay up to date in 48 on all things NBA. I'm Ross Geiger, joined alongside Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and World B, Michael Freer. This is episode number 33, the Larry Bird episode, and want to share a quick story with you here. My favorite Larry Legend story is when he walked into the locker room during All-Star Weekend and asked the rest of the three-point shootout participants, who was coming in second place, then that's an all-timer in my book. But hey, speaking of All-Star Weekend participants, we've got a special guest on tonight's show, a one-time G League dunk contest contestant and two-time NBA Skills Challenge participant. Tonight, we're thrilled to be joined by NBA champion, Bucks forward, and fan favorite, Thanasis Antetokounmpo. TA, thanks for joining us. Thank you, hey, man. Thank you so much for having me, man. You, uh, you hyped me up, man. Episode 33. I ho- hopefully I get to I get to that point. Some <laughs> I'm sure 33. you'll get there. You're <laughs> off to a great start. And uh let's get right into it, TA. I really wanted to ask you kind of just your motivation and wanting to start a podcast. And, and how about you tell our listeners what what you do on your podcast? Like what's your goal and, and who have you had on so far? Uh I mean well, I've had a lot of guys, I mean, I have a lot of teammates. I've had some people I interact with, you know, and I kind of wanted to do something with, uh, it wasn't more about, you know, just having people who are uh, in the spotlight or, you know, famous people, people. It's more of like having people who I interact with and I believe they have a great story as well. And they and can be yeah. able to motivate and educate people and listeners who are listening to my, uh, to my part, to the podcast. Uh, the reason I started it actually was different. In the beginning, it was more, of having a voice, you know, nowadays everybody gets the, especially for us, everybody gets to create their own kind of thing and get yep. to say like their own opinion without really knowing the what's going on. But then he ended up being that I'm learning so much through the podcast, you know, about the American yeah. culture, about different cultures in the world and, and, uh, and how people grew up because everybody kind of has the same journey, but in different ways, you know? So mm-hmm. it was, it was, it's been great, man. I love it. So, T.A., you're a product of basically two cultures, right? You're Nigerian yeah. and you're also Greek. Yeah. What what part of your personality is more Greek and what part of your personality is more Nigerian? Oh, my God, that's a great question. I mean, I, I take pride for both cultures. But, uh, like, I come from two cultures that are very, very hardworking, have great history, you know, and the old, like, civilization as well. And in Africa and in Europe, you know, and uh, and if you notice, like, and Nigerians and and Greeks are like all around the world, you know, and I would say the the togetherness they both have this, you know, they the support they both both cultures do, because like whenever I go to a stadium and I see a a Greek flag and a Nigerian flag, it's it's amazing, you know, I get goosebumps. So, I, like. It's both. I, I don't know. It's trade sometimes that I'm like, okay, this is a Greek trade, but then I see it in in Nigerian fellow Nigerians, and then it's some things that I say like, okay, this is a Nigerian thing, you know, a family thing, and then I see it in a lot of Greeks as well. So it's I couldn't tell you right now pinpoint, but it's a great question. I've never thought really thought about it like going one by one and you know kind of uh, having it out there and seeing like what's what's a Greek uh, trade and what's a Nigerian trade. When I grew up, I had a lot of uh, I had a lot of Greek friends growing up in my hometown. And one of the things that was really, really important was family. Like a lot of times the the grandparents lived on the second floor and the rest of the family lived on the first floor. Um, So, you know, you have four brothers, (laughs) Um, Francis, Giannis, Costas, Alex. Yes. So Francis 
is the older brother, then you, and then the other three. So did you used to boss, you know, Giannis Costas around when you were kids? Were you giving them orders? No, no. I would say, no, we sound like the Ninja Turtles. No, we did. Uh, I was never the uh, bossy type. I was more of, uh, I still am more of the, let's say, the protector, more of like, you know, I got it. I, I, I have to, my duty is to get in front of everything, you know, and, and mostly be able to protect my brothers, you know, either on the court, off the court, either, you know, emotionally, psychologically, like mentally, anything, you know, they, they, there's need uh, in the family. But I would say, we, were, we, you know, the way we grew up to kind of grew up hard, we, so we didn't have the time to kind of like, you know, how like kids fight when they're younger and they like, like we didn't get the chance to do that a lot, you know. So my follow-up to that, T.A., and I don't think I've even asked you this off the record here, but just yeah. how cool is it to play with your brother? Of course, you guys won a championship in 2001 together. And what's that dynamic like being as teammates and being able to separate that from obviously being brothers but also just teammates and, and professionals? How, how has that been with the Milwaukee Bucks? It's been great. It's been a, a blessing, man, because not only that, like, just it was it wasn't just winning the championship it was the journey you know just mm -hmm. like all of us going through covid and you know it, it was just an up up and down like from 2020 from covid just an up and down from uh with the number one team in the league doing covid all of a sudden covid hits everybody goes home two three months all of a sudden we, we're being called upon to come play again in the bubble so we go we go there we are uh we kind of want to pick up where we left off but it was just kind of hard, a different environment. And, you know, if you people who know the Bucks, they know they're family-oriented. We're all real families, so everybody, you know, uh, just, you know, stay home, home bodies and just, like, play the game. You know, that's what we work is about. And uh, kind of was tough, you know, just staying in the bubble. But then was kind of happy for us as well after, you know, after we were kind of sad, having an early exit, kind of happy again. Costas won a championship, so kind yeah. of celebrating in Greece after the, thing and then all of a sudden okay being called upon come back earlier like december like okay right back and uh, going through a season that no fans you know like ca capacity was not the same it was just not the sport that we know about and loved you know it was just different mm -hmm. it, it was great it was great to be back the court just not the same watching looking at empty empty stadiums and then uh i think winning the championship just going like this a roller coaster not winning a championship just you know, then have we have to we gotta play Miami, that we got the early exit beginning. Then you know, we gotta do our thing, then we gotta play Brooklyn, like boof, man, great team. Then Giannis goes down in the Eastern Coast Finals, then comes right back again for the finals, and then we ended up winning it. And then just and then and, and you know, like this is things that like obviously they're not out there, but just me and Costas and Giannis sitting at the table and Alex saying like Seeing Costas doing it and saying in the table, like, oh, we're going to do this next year. We're going to, and actually happening. Like, yeah. Like, it's, I get it, I get goosebumps. Like, it's, it's crazy. You know, and a lot of times people say, you know, I, I, I read this quote that, that it made so much sense to me. He said that uh, a dream is a dream that when only one person sees it, right? Mm -hmm. When I dream about it. But when all of us see it, it's not a gym anymore. It becomes a goal. It becomes a reality. So that like kind of personifies like what we went like this whole journey and we keep, you know, fight, fighting and striving to be better every day. So kind of. So, so you and Giannis won the championship in 21, yeah. but Costas won his championship the year before. So did he spend that whole season giving you guys a hard time saying, and say, when are you going to get yours? Yeah, nah, you, I mean, I, w I don't want to say he was giving us a hard time. It was mostly like, it's doable. You know, because when you're a kid, and like, man, how how crazy is this to to YouTube, like to go on YouTube and like look at videos of like, like celebrating championships and everybody's holding a trophy and in the locker room and, you know, uh, waters and Gatorade and, you know, storming the court. And everybody, you know, like having tears of joy and, and et cetera. And you get, the, like, Google this, you get the goosebumps. You watch, you know, every year's finals and finals and finals. And then be be having somebody who's so close to you, 
being a part of it, you know? And you're like, man, it's, it's doable. Like, he, we came from Greece, we came from that. We all like, you know, we, we, we're brothers. So we kind of was like, oh my God, we can do this. Because we just gotta work hard. We just have, just really, really work hard, stay positive, and just have a little bit of luck on our side. This can happen. Yep. So seeing was believing uh, is is kind of the point you were getting to there. Now, of course, you guys just locked down the best record in the Eastern Conference um, for this year, obviously getting focused and geared up for the playoffs. I wanted to ask you just how big home court advantage will be for the Milwaukee Bucks, knowing that you'll have it throughout uh, the rest of the way. I mean, if you guys make it all the way to the finals, you have the best record. So you're going to have home court. How how big is that? uh, Oh, man, it's uh, with God's grace. I mean, we we, we ended up finishing, uh, you know, with the number one seed overall. I'm very happy. I mean, the, the biggest part for us, uh, Ross, is was uh, health. You know, like mm-hmm. people, I don't know. I know we're Milwaukee, and people don't really watch all our games, and we're not like a big market team. But we've been out. We have like three or four guys out for like majority of the season. You know, and. And analytic wise, we've had we've had not a lot of lineups together. So like towards the stretch and when the stretch that everybody came back and went on like a eighteen and one or nineteen, like twenty and one. So people kinda got a glimpse of like, okay, this is what you know, what we're mm-hmm. aim we're aiming for. But uh man, we're just happy, number one, just happy to we want to finish the season healthy, first of all, you know, and then we'll see. And then we'll count game by game. Yep. No doubt. And, uh, you know, you had mentioned you come from a background of hard work. That's obviously apparent yeah. in both you and Giannis's games. Always sure. ready. Don't ha- don't have an on off switch. You guys go hard 100 percent of the time out there on the floor. Sure. And uh, so I wanted to ask you, obviously, being an energetic bench player, um, how do you stay ready? And uh, are, are practices like your games? I, I mean, I'm sure like just to, to stay well conditioned to make sure your jump shots uh, looking clean and stuff like that. How, what's your approach to make sure that you're staying ready when Coach Bud calls your number? Uh, I, I want to say the the stay ready part has to be with every player. It's hard. It's not easy. Like people will see me sometimes. I'll come in in the last minute. All of a sudden, just dunk on somebody or like on the <laughs> poster. And you know they would see it like, oh yeah, it's not easy to do that. It's not easy to be on the bench because people see the 48 minutes, but you're actually on the bench for like two hours. Yeah. And all of a sudden you get warmed up. I think it's a it's more of a mindset. It's more of a I gotta play the same way I would play when I would be in the first quarter, like I was starting. So you gotta keep that mindset first as a mindset. Then uh the work standpoint, like everybody's different, you know. Some guys need more cardio, some guys can get out of shape, some guys, you know, it's a unfortunately sometimes it's a genetic thing as well. You know, some people can stay out for five days and just, you know, lose their kind of get rusty, and some guys can just, you know through it and be always ready you know so yeah i i just tend to not i, I tend to approach the mental aspect of it on a high level the mm-hmm. work is work you still it's the nba you gotta work you're still gonna practice twice a day one like you're gonna get get your shots up and dribble and one-on-ones mm-hmm. and you know so hey Tia, do, do, do you uh do you see any similarities with this team with the one that one or two seasons ago are there any Anything when you're going through this season, do you, I know you, you know, with the best record and the way yeah. things are going towards the end, you feel like, well, we have another shot at it or whatever. But do you see any similarities with the two teams? So, okay, I'll say this. The similarities, it's a, it's a weird question. I'll tell you why it's a weird question. We've had the same players for like five years. So it's not like where say I'm seeing something different, you know. Uh, I don't think we've ever approached any season. I'm here. This is my fourth year. Going to my fifth, fourth year. I've never, we've never approached a season that not saying like we got a shot at this. We got a shot at this. You know, there's never been a season like ah, oh. we just chalk it up and say okay, let's go. Let's look out for next year. We've always approached every season like, man, we got a shot. We got a shot. We got a shot. So the more, the most important thing for us, like I said, is just you know, like just keep building good habits. You know, be be keep uh having the same culture and be consistent, you know, be consistent. Yep. The more consistent you are, you're eventually going to get a chance. You know, I don't think, and I'll give you guys and obviously 
you guys at gym. Like nobody's talked about it, but in the past three, four, five years, we're there. We're there. We're there. We're just there and there and uh, and uh, consistency, consistency, consistency. So that's what you need, you know. And then everything will fall in place. Yep. And you you mentioned having been there, the consistency of always kind of being in the hunt, and of course you won it in twenty one. But you've also had had your falls. I mean, you've had to lick your yes. wounds and take yes. some tough losses in series. And how big do you think that is for a contending team to have that experience? I mean, you you go back to 2021 when you played the Phoenix Suns. They had a very talented, younger team, but they didn't have that experience. Do you feel like that was an advantage having had played Toronto, having played Boston in, in, in the prior seasons in the playoffs and uh, having learned from those losses? Do you think having that experience as a group makes a huge difference come the big games? Uh, it does. I mean, everything. The journey. The journey matters. They, I know the result. Everybody gets judged by the result. But the journey really, really matters. And I'll give you something different as well. Like, people don't remember that that finals, that, that championship run we had. I mean, we're playing, you know, Miami, team that, you know, we had an early exit the, the year before. Then the next round, we get to play Brooklyn. We're down 2 oh. We lost the second, the second game. We lost by 50. I don't know if everybody remember this. We lost by 50. We ended up going yeah. to game seven. We win. We go, we play the Hawks. We're waiting for Philly, by the way. But we ended up playing the Hawks. And then we would play the Hawks. They come to our building and they beat us 1-0 with uh, Trey Young throwing the ball, like the ball off the glass. And, you know, you had the, they were, like, it was, it was insane. Trey Young had 50 points. We're down 1-0 again. And then it comes to we go to we go to uh, to the finals. We're down 2-0. So yeah, it they, it wasn't. It, there is no easy path. There is no easy path. There is no hard path. It's just one game at a time. It's the the, yeah. the journey really matter, matters how you get it. So that's uh, gotcha. Uh, I can sum it for you. And, and one thing I've noticed about this team that really excites me, being, of course, a Bucks fan with, with you and Giannis on the team, um, I feel like you guys have a top-to-bottom toughness about you guys. I mean, even the guys you've added throughout this season that haven't been with you for this, you know, the five-year mm-hmm. span that you were talking about, you brought in Jay Crowder. Javon Carter has been around now for a few years, but he's Love another tough Love guy. Love these guys. Love these yeah. guys, man. The, where does that where does where does that uh, come from as far as on a, on a practice floor is, is that toughness and the co- competition like that as well in practice as we see in games? Oh, oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, you know, we're an NBA team playing so many back to backs, and you know, you don't you don't get to go crazy in practice and, and you know go on uh, five on five like you would do in college or you know any other like kind of level that you get to play between you guys but you know i saw training camp after training camp we saw how in the in the season and how guys are played tough man we just want them to play tough that's that's, that's all it is in the day and and a lot of guys we have a lot of guys like that ta i watched your podcast where you had um brooke lopez on as your yes. guest okay now we know what a big Disney guy Brooke Lopez is. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you four Disney characters and you tell me which one Brooke Lopez is more like. Okay. Okay, you gotta give me somebody else. So some of the Mickey Disney Mouse. characters. Okay, okay, Mickey yes. Mouse, Donald Duck, okay. Goofy, or Buzz Lightyear. Who's who's Brooke Lopez more like? <laughs> or if he's not like any of them, that's okay. He's he's his own guy. I want to say he's something between Buzz and Mickey. I'll give you in between something in between a hybrid between Buzz and Mickey. He's a great guy, man. He, can I imagine like how much I've learned with him? Even when I was like starting to, um, you know, so he speaks Japanese. So I want. I was oh, wow. really interested. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of things. This this guy is it's unbelievable. Him and his brothers, like amazing. And I remember like. I wanted, you know, I was learning some words and we were learning together, and I was, I was so intrigued. I was like, my God, this guy is like a moving library. It's insane how much like knowledge he has and how much like he knows about things. It's, it's great. Good hey, question this, there. About Go this ahead, Will team, this, I'm sorry. Uh, about this season that you guys have had at the All Star break, 
Yeah. Uh, the offense, because partly because of what you mentioned about the health of the team, the offense hadn't been clicking in terms of you know where you rank efficiency wise. It wasn't where you would normally expect it to be. But yeah. in the second half, you guys got healthier. Uh, Chris Middleton got healthier. I'm sure that was yeah. a big part of everything. Now you're a top five offense uh, since the All Star break. Can you talk about like? Expand on what you talked about getting healthy and how much that has meant. Because your defense has been from the start has been really, uh, yes. you know, top of the league. It's been and now it is a top of the league there and uh, a couple other teams. But the offense, the improvement of the offense, probably I would assume has really been a key for your team. You know, going on that nice run you had since the All Star break. You know, so it's it's a whole package. You know, it's it's easy and a hard question. I'll tell you why. Because health is a component. And then you, and then lineups. So uh, lineups would switch every time there's not healthy guys on the lineup, and in the, the in the lineup. And then when the healthy guys, then you gotta, and then the lineup part. Who do you play when it's everybody when everybody's healthy? But uh, I think man, uh, coaches have done a great job. Front office has done a great job uh, with uh, the management of the players and and how we do. And now we just, you know, we just like I said, like from top to bottom, like we build good habits, and they will show on the court. That's all we're about building good habits. You know, we, I I keep saying all the time, like camaraderie, and uh, being together, togetherness, and and again, if we're consistent, everything will fall in place. Got to be just be consistent. You know, you got to have one thing that they say about you, like this team is consistent, regardless of the result, what happens. Gotcha. And uh, T.A., I know obviously family is important to you um, and, and the rest of your brothers. Can you talk a little bit about the Antetokounmpo bros? I wanted to hear a little bit more about the academy. What are you guys yeah. doing now? What do you guys have planned in the future? And uh, kind of give us some perspective on that. So some of the things we're doing now is that we have a lot of kids uh, immig- and immigrants. And like we have a, like a mixture of kids back home. And, you know, we just – come they work out they get to see where we divided different different events and when we're back home they come to every event to get to meet us and get to interact with them and it's basically it's like i'm seeing myself basically and uh, and i'm like encouraging myself my youngest my younger version of myself as well but man it's something incredible we have a lot of things i would i would love for you guys to kind of talk with our people from uh, our foundation to give you all in detail like what we have in store like it's amazing because i wouldn't i wouldn't do it no justice if i just Kind of like throughout there some stuff, but man, we got some stuff going, and hopefully we get we get it we get it we expand we're in all uh, all over Europe, in the U.S. and Africa, so we'll see. Wow, in the next years to come. That's got that's got to be pretty special to be able to kind of see yourself again uh, in regards to that. Now, yep. one final question here on your teammates, and then we'll we'll certainly let you get going here. Of course, you've been in GQ magazine, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm will. I'm willing to bet Joe Ingles has not. So you're very fashionable. I've seen you in the yeah. NBA fits uh, Instagram. <laughs> what kind of fashion advice would you give him or other guys like him? You know what it is. This is a misconception now, right? Joe is really actually fashionable, bro. He is. I'm like I've seen. Him. Okay. Like, there's people who I've seen, and they're not fashionable. I've seen people. I don't want to say no names. Not in our team, like yeah. former like teams I played in the in the past, but like he's. Just fine. He just doesn't have the NBA, you know, like how what people want you to kind of go over the top. But he's great. Like he could definitely. I don't know about. I don't know about the magazines, but he's definitely like you. Definitely like his style. If you saw him like dress, he has his little hat on. You know, has a little swag. He has some stuff to him now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, with that, uh, TA, we want to thank you for obviously joining us on tonight's show. Uh, how can our listeners find your podcast and where can they find you on social media? Oh, uh, shoot. Uh, so social media, mostly, I mean, you know, Instagram, TikTok or whatever, TikTok or uh, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn now, obviously with uh, everything okay. business-wise, I'm LinkedIn as well. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> Thanasis underscore Ante43 in general as okay. a username. And if you want to list to the podcast, I mean, whatever you get your podcast from, you know, uh, any platform. We're available in every, I'm available in every platform. And uh, the name is obviously Thanalysis. <laughs> no, but it's, but uh, and if you want to watch the video, 
uh, the visuals, you uh, you can watch it on YouTube and uh, at the Cooper's TV. You know, and I always encourage people to, you know, obviously like and subscribe, but mostly not only like and subscribe, mostly to leave a review, leave a comment, and say like, you know, what they want to see, what are they interested about, because now it's going to become more and more, and about the basketball and about the journey, motivational and educational as well. So I want to have these people like, you know, they comment like, hey, Fanasi, you should talk to this person is really interested. You should know his story, like, like things like this, you know. Yeah. So I'm excited. Very cool. Sounds like a really great project. I'm ex extremely excited for you. I know that we've been checking it out and uh, we'll definitely continue to support you uh, with your podcast. And want to thank you for supporting ours here tonight, TA. So we wish you thank the you best of luck me. moving forward uh, into thank the playoffs here. I know I can't do the whole 48. You know, I can do the whole 48 yeah. minutes, but I'm glad I was just started at the 48. I'm glad yeah. I was just started. <laughs> You're a starter, and you, you know nice. we, we want to make sure your your legs are are fresh for the next game, so you're ready to go. I don't want Coach think, calling think. us being mad that you're not ready, so or too tired. Right. So, any hey, guys, anytime, keep doing a great job, anytime. And again, thank you, thank you so much for having me. I, I enjoyed it, and you guys had an amazing question. Nobody really, you know, like okay, the media is media in general, but nobody asks questions like this, so it's great. You know, it's great, well, it's great. Well, I love We're it. glad you had fun with us. And uh, with that, we've reached our uh, halftime intermission. And we'll be back with the second half. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, and we are back. Awesome stuff with Thanasis Antetokounmpo. I want to thank him once again for joining us on tonight's show. But we got some ball to talk, fellas. And let's start off our third quarter talking about the Battle of L.A. as the Clippers took down the Lakers once again on Wednesday night. And, Bruce, we'll go ahead and start with you. What was your big takeaway from that matchup? Well, Russell Westbrook started out that game like it was oh. the Russell Westbrook revenge tour. He got oh, that team goodness. fired up in the first quarter. He played most of his minutes for the whole game in the first quarter. But, I mean, he came out there 10 points. Uh, 14 and 21 minutes for the game. His early energy sparked the team, uh, and it was great that Ty Lue was able to give him a little rest you know, later in the game. But he really lit the fuse. And, oh, by the way, that's 11 straight wins by the Clippers over the Lakers. So everyone always says, hey, L.A. is a Lakers town, but the Clippers may beg to differ right about now. What do you guys think? Well, I think it's, it's always going to be a Lakers town. It's just it, no matter what – it's just like – in New York City, the Nets, no matter what the Nets do, it's going to be a Knicks town, you know, for better or worse. That's just how it is. Um, I think I give the Clippers a lot of credit because they had a lot of time off. They had three days off before that game while the Lakers had the, were getting back from Utah being pushed to overtime by the Jazz after blowing a big lead in the second half to Utah before winning the game in overtime. So, yeah, the, the Clippers took advantage and jumped right on them early. They are up big at halftime, 19-point lead at the half. And, uh, yeah, they, they did the job. Kawhi, you know, I got on Kawhi the last episode for his load management thing. Well, he had plenty of rest for this game, and he took advantage. Game high, 43 minutes, sentence of 24, 25 points. Uh, 25 points. It's the second most minutes he played in the game this season. The only one he's played uh, had more minutes played was the first game after the All-Star break, which was an eight-day rest, where he came up with 44 in that one. So you give Kawhi enough rest, and he'll uh, he'll come through for you. I think my biggest takeaway, just to quickly go back on Russell Westbrook, was how he came out of the gates and how he stayed composed. I think a lot of times Russell Westbrook, when he does have success and is playing well these days, is out there trying to prove himself too much or kind of takes himself out of his own game by getting too excited or – you know, dancing around the floor. He was in a killer mindset. He was pretty focused out there, not too over the top celebrations. He was out there to go to go for the absolute kill. And and he did just that. And 
I think what I've noticed from his time with the Lakers to the Clippers has just been the composure. I don't know if it's a comfortability thing. I'm not sure if it's maybe some pressure that he felt from being on the team and on the same floor as LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But do you guys feel like he's just a little bit more comfortable with Tyron Lue in this Clippers team? It might be that he's just been humbled a little bit. I mean, look what yeah. happened to him in L.A. I mean, he had never gone through a stretch in his career where he was essentially benched. I mean, you know, he still played, but he wasn't starting. So I think maybe that was a bit of a wake-up call for him. And 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 he actually, you know, look, a lot of times when guys get into the their early to mid-30s, they start to understand, you know, I'm not the alpha dog anymore. And I need to conduct myself, you know, as a team. I mean, Blake Griffin is a good example of that in Boston. I mean, the guy hardly plays, but when he's out there, he's, he's, you know, making, you know, nice contributions. And I think Russ probably feels a little bit like, okay, you know, um, I'm one of the guys now. I'm not the guy. Yeah. Well, you know, another, another possibility for this whole thing is I don't dis discount the fact that he probably was humble getting, you know, the way he got shown the exit from LA and having, you know, some of the blame or a lot of the blame placed on him from occasion. But you go back and look, this might be the best team he's been on in a long, long time. If you go back to the Lakers, you go back to the Wizards, you go back to his one season in Houston. And before that was OKC. When's he been on a team that now the Clippers, their record doesn't indicate, but now they're, you know, they're in the playoff field for the moment and they're playing much better than their seeding is, and they have two superstars to go alongside them. I mean, this is this is a motivation thing, I would hope, for him to say, listen, I'm on a team that could actually really compete for a title. He probably honestly didn't see it in L.A. once he got to know these guys and watch them play with the Lakers the last couple of years. I mean, the names are nice, but we never looked at the Lakers as being championship contenders. We looked at them as being broken a broken team with, with names and you know, the, the idea of him being a part of without having to be the man as you know, cause there's two other guys. I think that's a pretty good uh, motivation too. Plus the coaching of, of Tyrone Tyron Lou is way better than what he's had in, in recent years. So that's gotta help him. You know, another thing I noticed, you know, in the game uh, was, the way that the Clippers role players just were crushing it in that game. I mean, Norman Powell outscored the entire Lakers bench on his own. The entire yep. Lakers bench had 25 points. Powell had 27 and their bench had 55. So that was a plus 30 from their bench. And also too, one of the guys that's truly, you know, uh, uh, under the radar guy for them is Ivica Zubats. He had yep. 17 and 13, which basically matched the output of Anthony Davis, who had 17 and 11. So you could say statistically he even had a slight edge over him. And both of those guys had four offensive rebounds. So Zubats really is a guy that's just kind of – he's almost like, you know, a little of this, a little of that, physical presence. But their bench really was impressive in that game. Well, the other thing yeah. is, Bruce, you guys, is – to your point about what I brought up about taking it to him early, the Clippers taking it to him early with the rest advantage and the Lakers coming up, 24 to uh, 18 edge and fast break points. That's the Lakers' MO is getting up and down. LeBron James leads the league in fast break scoring. The Lakers are top five in fast break scoring. It was 20 to eight at halftime in fast break points. It was 12 nothing just in the second quarter for LA, uh, the Clippers. So they really they took advantage, I'm sure, in the pregame. The, in the locker room, it was, listen, these guys just got pushed over time. We've had all this time off. This is a big game. Let's take it to them. Let's run, and let's see how, how they respond. And clearly, they the Lakers couldn't respond early on. And I know it sounds odd, but I feel like the Clippers, straight out of the gates, just wanted it more. I mean, the effort was there. The energy was there. And that wasn't matched by the Lakers. But going really quickly back here to Norman Powell, I had been talking about him being in that six man of the year award race before he went down with injury, had questions for our own young Mizzouk. And we had him on in regards to how his playing, playing time may change with Eric Gordon now on board. But I got to say, this guy has been such a luxury for Tyron Lou. I mean, he has been the interchangeable piece for this team. When one of their two star wings go down first, it was Kawhi and he was helping out with the scoring production with PG. 
Now PG's out, and he's playing with Kawhi, and he's continuing to produce on, on the offensive end on a nightly basis. And I've been super impressed with Norman Powell. I think he's a huge reason why this team is a scare in the Western Conference playoffs coming up here soon. And uh, he showed it again last night. And uh, Bruce, he also was 10 of 10 from the free throw line. And, and Powell's a guy that does a really good job creating contact and, and getting to that foul line. So that would be a huge key for the Clippers come playoff time as well. He kind of gives them what Malcolm Brogdon gives the Celtics. A, a lot yeah. of the same sort of, you know, starter level skills, but but coming off the bench. Absolutely. And uh, with that, let's get to our fourth quarter here and look at how the rest of the West shapes up. And uh, World B, I'll, I'll give you the first crack at what you're seeing there in the Western Conference standings. Well, what I'm seeing is, uh, I, I, the more I look at it, you just want everybody healthy, first of all, because if everybody can get healthy, holy cow, what a playoff series, <laughs> what, what a playoff run we could have and what the storylines could be between the Nuggets. Can they hold on? Can they live up to the top seed? Doesn't happen in the West very often these days. You know, being the top seed, the Utah Jazz had it for a couple of years and couldn't get even to the championship. Uh, you know, you got Memphis, you got Sacramento in for the first time. And then you have the Suns, who may never lose again, like you said, with Kevin Durant in the lineup. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's really, and then you have the defending champs. We're all, I'm, I discounted, but I'm apparently the only one that's discounted the Warriors. And then you have the Clippers. If the Clippers can get healthy with Paul George to go along with that, that group there, they're a definite factor in this thing. And then it, it just goes on down. Uh, we haven't even talked about the Lakers' chances. We haven't even talked about the Pelicans, who really miss Zion. And, you know, where would they be with, with a healthy Zion in this whole mix? But it's really intriguing to me as long as people start getting healthy. I believe, um, I believe the Lakers are going to win their play-in game and they're going to secure the number seven seed which means that they'll get Memphis in the first round, which is going to be an unbelievable series to see. You know, Hopefully, Steven Adams, as you mentioned, health is so important. It would be really nice if he could come back for that. But, I mean, every possible Western playoff series that I see, with the possible exception of Denver versus whoever ends up with that eighth seed, is going to be awesome. I mean, the three versus six and four versus five series are guaranteed to be incredible matchups. If Sacramento gets either the Warriors or the Clippers, okay. And Phoenix is going to get whichever of those teams doesn't play sack. I mean, Phoenix against Golden State would be Kevin Durant, two-times final MVP, champion with the Warriors against his former team. High drama there, okay, especially because Phoenix would have home court, which means the Warriors would have to get a win on the road there. Um, plus, you know, if the Suns get the Clippers – Travel will be easy. Everyone will have, you know, nice, easy travel schedule, lots of rest. Um, plus, KD versus Kawhi would be sort of a rematch of the 2019 finals when they've won two different teams but played each other in the finals. So the Western matchups uh, are going to be awesome. I mean, you know, if Sack gets Golden State, it's Mike Brown against the team he helped coach to three NBA championships. think his scouting report on that team might be pretty good for his guys. Think, I think it just might. So everywhere I turn looking out in the West, I'm seeing like awesome series and I have to stay up late to watch. And, and I want to ask you guys this. I know it doesn't directly translate. So let, let's make that loud and clear here. It's not a direct translation, but with some of these teams, especially a team like the Lakers that are possibly going to be in the play-in game and the talent they have on their roster, how scary is it for a team at the one seed like Denver to where they can kind of get that momentum in the play-in tournament, kind of ride some big-time game confidence into a first-round series. We kind of see that in baseball, and I'm not trying to make a direct translation because they are different sports and games, but like that matters in the wild card. You see that uh, sometimes the Padres did it last year. They beat the, uh, the Mets in the wild card and then had that forward momentum to go face the Dodgers, a team they could really never beat in a, a playoff series. So – how much of that could factor into this year's Western Conference play-in where we have some actually legitimately talented teams in the play-in getting confidence and building towards a first-round matchup with a team like Denver that's going to be waiting to play a team like Los Angeles? 
that could work both ways. I mean, I could see exactly what you're saying, but I could also see a team, let's say Minnesota gets that eight seed. I could see them kind of heaving a big sigh of relief. Oh, we made it. And almost yeah. be like, you know, flat at the beginning of that next series. And then, you know, an eight seed playing Denver is never going to be easy because not only has Denver got a much better record, but you have the whole altitude thing, right? And that's True. a that's a big handicap for anybody. Although if it is Minnesota, at least you got two guys that are veterans of Utah, Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. They have played in the altitude, but you know, their teammates not so much. World, what do you think about all that? Well, first things first, I really take offense to using the Mets in that reference as far as that goes. But that, <laughs> sorry, that aside, sorry. <laughs> that, that's all right. That aside, uh, I think it's kind of amazing that we're talking about all these teams and the Nuggets, with who have been the best team, the most consistent team in the West all season. We don't even talk about them as – you know, the favorites in this conference. And I, I doubt once we get through this weekend, we build up to the playoffs that anybody will, because they just not, they're not fashionable. They have the, the MVP or whatever, but they're not, they don't have the storylines. They don't have the chaos that you like to have in uh, other scenarios. So talk about being the, the best record in the West, the number one team all season and having to play with a chip on your shoulder because nobody's giving you any respect. So I, I, want to see something from Denver defensively before I commit to them, but that why not give up, you know, maybe they deserve a little more love than we're giving them. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. Obviously I think they're going to have that chip on their shoulder and they should be using this as motivation to prove why they are and, and kind of feel that disrespect and, and hopefully uh, they'll go ahead and use that to their advantage. Now, Looking at Phoenix, of course, I did say that they were going to go ahead and win out here in the uh, the rest of the play-in situation. If you were a Suns fan, and I know we have a ton of Suns fans that listen to our podcast, would you rather play the Clippers or the Warriors in a first-round matchup series of a 4-5? Bruce? Would I rather play the Clippers or the Warriors if I'm the Suns? I think I'd probably be okay playing the Warriors, you know, because they've been so horrible on the road and you've got the home court advantage on them. Uh, The Clippers are a much better road team. Uh, But again, if Paul George isn't healthy, I think I'd rather play the Clippers if I'm, you know, so it really kind of comes down to that in in my mind. Yeah. What about you world? Uh, I would, I would agree with Bruce until until they prove, I've, I've said it for numerous uh, <laughs> episodes, until they prove they can win on the road, why am I taking the Warriors? And, and I love the Warriors. And I have a, not only a interest from a fan standpoint, they're also a professional interest <laughs> as, as somebody who uh, does some work for them. But until you prove you can win it on the road, I, and they haven't done it all year. And it's with all that talent, uh, championship talent, you so and the way the Suns are playing now since they got KD. And by the way, we talk about how great KD is for the Phoenix Suns and their defense in the four games since he's come back has been lights out. It's been more impressive than the offense. The offense has been average in the four games since he's been back. The defense has barely given up more than a point per possession over these four games. So that's the and and I think it's something like twenty four and two. Kevin Durant's teams have gone. In the last 26 games he's played, but going back to the to the uh, Brooklyn Nets, where I think he finished 17 and two in his last 19 games with them, and he's seven and zero with the Suns whenever he can get on the court. So that's you know, and remember when he was with the Nets and they were rolling, their defense was really starting to play, and their offense was great with the Kyrie and and company and Katie, but their defense was really starting to get uh, play well, and that was helping them move up in the ladder and look like more champion more like championship contenders because their defense was coming around. It's starting to become the same thing in, in Phoenix. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's going to be certainly uh, very interesting to watch play out here as we do have a little last minute shuffle of the uh, standings here in the Western conference. And uh, sure. We're going to have a lot to talk about on next week's podcast as well. Um, But with that, Bruce, Let's go ahead and get to our final thoughts, and I'll go ahead and start with you. 
Okay. Uh, we all know how much I love my Boston Celtics. And uh, Joe Mazzulla has done an excellent job as a rookie head coach in Boston. The Celtics are going to finish with the second best record in the East and no worse than the second best record in the entire league. They could end up tied with Denver, but they've kind of clinched at least that much. He took over, as we know, as interim coach on the eve of the season when former coach Ime Udoka was suspended. Uh, Missoula ultimately was named permanent head coach in February. The Celtics increased their win total over last season when they reached the NBA Finals and are one of the favorites to win it all this season. But as a rookie head coach, will he be ready for the pressure that the playoffs are going to bring? Four of the head coaches in the Eastern Conference playoff picture, Eric Spolstra, Doc Rivers, Nick Nurse and Mike Budenholzer have all won championships. Now, Missoula may join that club, but as the playoffs begin, he hasn't even coached a playoff game. So while there's going to be postseason pressure on the players, there's also going to be pressure on the coaches, and it will be fascinating to see how 34-year-old Joe Missoula performs under the pressure of the postseason. Believe it or not, he's actually younger than one of his players, Al Horford, and the same age as two others, Blake Griffin and Danilo Gallinari, who he hopes might actually be ready to play in the playoffs. So good luck to Joe. Uh, we'll be rooting for you. At least the person in the middle of this group will be rooting for you. Uh, and certainly, you know, hope you're up to the task. Well, I'm glad Tanasis had to uh, hop off this call before you did the uh, the final thought there, Bruce. But uh... – yeah, and it's interesting to think about Gallinari. I haven't thought about his name in months, and there is a chance that he could actually join this team for the playoffs and be interested to see how he could uh, fit in to that rotation, possibly. World B? On Thursday, New Orleans uh, President of Basketball Operations, David Griffin, had this to say regarding Zion Williamson. Quote, after further evaluation, it has been determined that Zion Williamson will continue his rehabilitation and conditioning regimen. We will continue to monitor his progression and updates will be provided as warranted. Translation, we have no idea what's going to be happening with him in the future. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a really becoming a sad situation for the two-time All-Star who just can't seem to be healthy. The latest issue being uh, his hamstring, which you know, who knows when it's going to be back. He's sometimes he's doing workouts. Sometimes he's not, but it's really hurt the franchise uh, this season. They've somehow managed to get to 41 wins uh, with the work of uh, Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum and others. But it's a real shame that they don't have a full lineup to go uh, make a run at this. And we saw what they could do last year, even without Zion, how well they played and how well they pushed everybody to the limit. But in the offseason, there's going to be some decisions that are going to have to be made about uh, Zion Williamson from the Pelicans' front office. They're going to have to come to a decision on whether they're going to really – what the future is for, for this player who can't seem to stay healthy, if it's his weight, if it's whatever, just bad luck. And I know he's starting – next year begins the first year of a five-year max extension for him. And so – he's going to be getting in the thirties and then the forties and you know, a million in terms of annual salary. But at some point, when will the Pelicans decide if he can't stay healthy, when do we decide to cut bait? Cause you don't want to do it too late. You know, I'm getting a flashback to 2007 when it comes to Zion Williamson and Greg Oden, Greg Oden was the number one overall pick that year and he couldn't stay healthy. And the guy who was the number two pick that year went on to have a pretty good career. You might remember his name. I think it's Kevin Durant. And the number two pick behind Zion, if you recall, was John Morant. Durant, Wait. Morant. Okay. Yeah. History doesn't always repeat itself, but sometimes it rhymes. Well said there, Bruce. I honestly had the same thing going there. So great minds think alike with the Durant <laughs> and Morant. So well done. Um I, for my final thought, I uh, wanted to, of course, bring up uh, the fact that the Dallas Mavericks did keep their season alive on Wednesday night with a big home win over the Sacramento Kings, which is not an easy task. And uh, they got another big game from Kyrie Irving. He had 31 points on 12 of 23 shooting. Kyrie had 41 the game prior and has been playing better ball here as of recently. But my final thought and more of a question is, are we for sure they, they should be wanting this guy back? 
I mean, every every report that's coming out saying, no, this is the, the long-term solution. It's just going to take them some time. Jason Kidd and Mark Cuban have both come out fully supporting bringing Kyrie Irving back into the fold next year. And I've got a lot of questions surrounding that. Certainly would love to know what Mavericks fans think about that, but I'm not sure that's the answer to keeping Luka happy and keeping him successful in a Dallas Maverick uniform. And just think it's very interesting that these guys that are in power there think this is a good idea and are liking what they've seen for the most part as far as the small sample size is concerned. Were you guys shocked at all by that real quick? Well, Cuban says resigning Kyrie is a high priority, and he believes the Mavs have a great chance of keeping him. But I wouldn't be so sure if I was Cuban. I mean, the Mavs gutted their roster and their draft assets to acquire Irving, okay, leaving basically he and Luca to battle it out against more balanced teams on a nightly basis. Kyrie doesn't really strike me as a rebuilds are great kind of guy, okay? I'm definitely not get, ever getting that vibe from him. So if I'm Mavs general manager Nico Harrison, I'm looking around for some sign-and-trade opportunities where maybe the Mavs can get something in return for Irving instead of letting him walk for nothing. It's been a bad week for Mark Cuban, as we know on Thursday, his protest of that loss to Golden State a couple weeks ago also was denied. Yeah. So Mark hasn't been right a whole lot lately, world. No, and I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking that he knows that Kyrie is gone, but at least I can show the Mavericks fans I want him back. I'm going to publicly say I want him back because I, part of me wants to think if Kyrie came into his office tomorrow and said, I want to resign, Mark would be like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you were going to take me seriously here. I, just, <laughs> I was just trying to look good here. I didn't, I didn't know you were here. We were just talking. I didn't know you were, you know, serious. I, uh, Part of me thinks that that is Mark Cuban trying to look good for his fan base, saying, listen, we've tried to keep him here knowing full well that he wants to go somewhere else after the season. I could be wrong, but that's the impression, first impression I got. Sign him and trade him. <laughs> You're almost going to have to, right? I mean, the only other option, if he goes, you, you'll have the money to sign a max player. You, you'll have his, that opening up. But to your point, Bruce, what's, what's that max player going to do with just Luca, Spencer's gone, Dorian Finney-Smith is gone, and two number ones are gone for the future. So, what are you signing up for? The tax, the, I say, the, the no tax deal for Texas. That's that's a positive, but it doesn't yeah. exactly have them all coming in by the boatload. Never didn't get LeBron there. Didn't get you know AD there. You know, doesn't get all the big guys there. Didn't get Jalen Brunson. Say, yeah. <laughs> I, I say go ahead and uh, let him walk or at worst sign and trade. But two solid takes from you, you both there per usual. And uh, with that, we want to thank everyone for tuning in as this will be uh, the end of the 48 Minutes podcast on Believe for this Friday. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back next week uh, to be sure you're up to date in 48 on all things around the association. Have a great weekend, everybody.